Greetings, comrades, and welcome to How the Left is One. My name is Mike. I'm Jake. And this is a podcast all about fascism and how to fight it. And I, I just realized that whenever we start these, I just kind of point. I just kind of Yeah, you point. do point. Yeah, and it's just like, we all do like these weird hand gestures when we talk, even if others can't see it. It's just weird things. But anyway, Jake, how was your week? Pretty fine, pretty fine. Uh, saw the Barbie movie. Yeah, you you and uh, my brother and a couple of your friends went and saw the Barbie movie. Yep. Which, um, God, it's one of those movies where it's just like, why? <laughs> why now, at least? It was actually pretty solid. It was a pretty solid movie. I liked it. Uh, I do have some critiques, but overall... Uh, not a bad film. Uh, I do find some parts of it, uh, funny. Got, got my critiques in there. But overall, uh, feminist film, some anti-capitalism in there. Sprinkled in. Interesting for Barbie, one of, like, the most capitalized, like, IPs of all time. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, it's like... In Disco Elysium, it's just like those who would seek to critique capitalism end up reinforcing. Yes, it instead. that is that is one of my critiques of the movie uh, because even in terms of its anti-capitalism, it's some throwaway lines. It's not like a core theme of the film. And if you're just doing that, then capitalist realism is going to kick in. It's going to be absorbed and marketable. Anti-capitalism sells as much as anything else. Yep. Um, also, I like how I mentioned Disco Elysium as if everyone who listens is going to know what that is. That That's required reading, or I guess yeah. playing for this podcast. You have to go play Disco Elysium. But again, don't, as we mentioned in like our intro episode, don't buy it right now. Go pirate it. Yes. If, if the uh, creators get their IP back, then go buy it, but don't buy it right now. Yeah, you gotta wait a bit, uh, because it was stolen from them by the money people. Yep. So we all hate the money people. Yeah. So anyway, my week. Um, so I, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode, but I've started applying to jobs. Uh, you did. Yes. Yeah. Um, like my current job is a manual labor job. I'm currently applying to software development jobs and like robotics engineering jobs. Um, I actually have an interview, a quick phone interview tomorrow on Monday, even though you guys are going to be hearing this on Tuesday. So it will be yesterday as, as of when you're hearing this. Correct. Yeah, so hopefully that goes well. Uh, I actually, uh, to help with this, I realized I'm not good at writing resumes, so I'm just going to hire a professional resume writer <laughs> uh, who says he's going to get uh, his first draft of it to me tomorrow. He actually lives cl- like relatively close by to us. Oh. Yeah, oh. which was a pure coincidence because I mentioned to him where I live and he's like, oh yeah, I live like here. He's like, oh really? Huh. Uh, like, like he's a de- decent drive away from us, um, he, but he is in the same county as us, so. That's interesting. Yeah, and that was just complete coincidence to me. Yeah. Oh, I did forget to mention that uh, one bad thing did happen this week, and it's that uh, I had like a 120-pound wooden beam dropped on my foot on oh, Wednesday. Oh, Christ. Uh, did not break because I have strong bones, but. Not exactly the most fun experience, because I had to keep working after that. <laughs> uh, you can still see some of the uh, places that cut me. Yeah. Well, I can. The listeners can't. Yeah, they can't. can't. 
<laughs> that that was to you, yeah. not them. Yeah. Well, I, I once had a utility vehicle on my foot, although like at the very end of my foot, so it was like kind of just like at the tip of my toes. It didn't actually hurt that much. It was like my first year at my current job, and I just remember like very nonchalantly telling the person who accidentally drove it onto my foot, "It's like you're you're on my foot. Could you please get off?" <laughs> just very casually. Yeah. Like I was hey. not particularly. Hey, sorry, pleased. dude. Yeah, um, you're on my foot with your car. <laughs> yeah, it was that was basically what happened. But anyway, aside from uh, me applying to jobs, uh, we I had to water uh, on Friday. So like, I think I mentioned I'm a, I work at a golf course. Yep. Uh, we do have a sprinkler system, but for spots that get like really hot and dry, die out, we have to hand water those. And we like uh, some of the full time guys, the younger full time guys, and the interns. Uh, kind of all rotate doing that. And uh, we've been able to get away with not doing it a whole lot this summer because it's been a very rainy summer. Yeah, it has been. Uh, although it seems like that sort of stopped. Yeah, I think that... it might rain next weekend. Yeah, and that's that's why we had to start watering. So, um, so that's... And it sucks because you have to stay like an extra like three hours. Yeah, three, three to would... four hours. Like the... Uh, like the assistants and the interns, they have it even worse because like they have to like sp- like stay even later. That it sucks. Yeah, but um. So also we record these on Sundays. I have to water on Sunday unless hopefully it rains enough Saturday night and into Sunday morning. Yeah, or I won't have to do that. Yeah, let's hope. Let's pray. Yeah, I remember one year I was able to, like, lots of the times where I was supposed to be watering, it rained th- those days, and I just got off with not doing it for so long, and then the the uh, first assistant told me, hey, you're gonna, do- we're changing things up so you actually do something to give some of these other guys a break, and I was like, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But uh, aside from that, I started watching uh, the new My Adventures with Superman show. Oh, I have not heard of that. Um, yeah, basically the premise is it's uh, this version of Superman is uh, it basically focuses on his time as like an intern at the Daily Planet along with Lois Lane <laughs> and this other character whose name I f- actually forget and I feel bad Whoops. about forgetting. He's kind of like a minor character in some of like the side comics. He's like this photojournalist. Jimmy Olsen? Yeah, Jimmy Olsen. That was it. I knew that there was another character. That is sometimes in Superman comics. Uh, and I think the only reason I know of Jimmy Olsen is because he was involved with the pink kryptonite thing. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Yeah, we don't talk about that. What a time in comic books, huh? Yeah, but uh, it's fun. It's clearly, the per- like, some of the writers is just like, they clearly wanted to just write their fanfic, their their spunky tomboy Lois Lane X nerdy dorky superman fanfic and but it, it's it works yeah for and, sure and the action is actually pretty good that sounds good uh one of my friends recently got me into watching the owl house which is i watched, a fine show i watched a I couple like episodes of that i need to get back to that because i remember lots of people say it's like really really good yeah uh seems pretty cool so far yeah like, it, I'm definitely not the the target audience, but I can enjoy yeah, it. It has Alex Hirsch in it, who was the yes. guy who made Gravity Falls, which, like, I love Gravity Falls, so... Amazing show. Great show. Yeah. Overall, uh, he's... 
or the Owl House is uh, just like great little show. I heard there's lesbians in it, so that's cool. Yep. Um, I don't know. Aside from that, the new season of The Dragon Prince came out. I don't watch that. I think it, I watched maybe an episode, but I... it's it's all right. Um, it's one of the like the creator of it is I believe one of the writers for Avatar: The Last Airbender, or was. Um, the writing isn't as good. It's still fun. I like the world, but uh, last season wasn't that great. This season seems a little bit more interesting. So far, I have not finished it yet. But anyway, aside from that, we're not here to talk about what we watched. We're here to talk about Mussolini's book, because it's yep. one of those weeks where instead of talking about like the history of fascism, we're just going to talk about this weird curiosity we found. Yep, and remains a doozy. Yeah, it remains not great. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I mean, so I mentioned this, like, just before we started recording to you, Jake, is, like, it's it's frustrating because the prose is not bad a lot of the time. There's times where it sucks, but yeah. other times where it's just like, oh, I, I like what you did yeah. there. That was, that was good. But the plot is just, doesn't make any sense. Practically non-existent. It, it just demands that you accept that, like, what's going on. Just like, oh, Filiberta died. Everyone is going to revolt now. It's just like, I mean, yep. it's like, why are people this upset about that? I mean, it's like, yeah. yeah, that's fucked up. But it's just like, it's not revolt worthy. It comes off as weirdly, given that he was a socialist when he was writing this. It does not come off as a very socialist, like, message there. Why do the people care about Filiberta? Socialists understand that what the people care about is their own fucking economic well-being. Well, I, I, if you recall, it's just like lots of socialists thought, like, Mussolini just kind of wanted a revolution. He didn't really care what kind. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so we got a couple chapters here. A couple of weird chapters. Yeah. Like, like it, the plot just moves really quickly, but it just it's also just, like, so sporadic. Like, what yeah. happens? Uh, It's like... Well, the pacing, I don't mind, but that is a lot of things just happening. Yeah. So, if you recall from last time, Don Benicio, who's uh, Emmanuel's, like, basically rival at this point. Uh, Our good friend, Madruzo. Yeah, he, he, was, he got excited. He's like, yes, I caught Manuel Madruzo doing shitty stuff. And he goes to Claudia and says, like, I'm going to send your boyfriend away and then you're going to date me. And she's like, no, I'm not. And so he, so he plays good cop, bad cop, where he's both roles for a bit. And she just tells him off. And then he runs away crying, gets shit-faced at a bar. Yeah, he's a very pathetic character. Yeah. And uh, he screams at, like, the bartender to turn, like, this old, like, crucifix around. Yeah. <laughs> it was really weird. He is a, a character in this story. Yep. And now we're going to move on and see where he goes from here. All right. Yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll start reading. That's how things usually go. I yeah. start off the reading. Chapter six, which I call, uh, we'll save the name for like the end of the chapter. Like yeah. our, our uh, like made up names. Yes. Our opinion. Yep. When Don Benicio entered the valley of the Adige, which is a, a river in Italy, I believe it's the second longest river in Italy from my brief research. Hmm. The first shades of night were descending on the river. The towers of Trent, with their indented turrets and their subtle spires, were profiled against the evening sky, glittering with many-colored metal as though embraced by a huge serpent. Don Benicio looked, at, looked long at the castle and at the huge tower rising above it. 
He slowed down his horse to a walk. The evening breeze undulated the tops of the poplar trees which lined the adige. The river was turbid and overflowing with the melting of the alpine snows. The clear air vibrated to the sound of the church bells. The chirruping swallows swooped down in great curves to, get, to graze the surface of the water or the tips of the mountain trees. From the fields came the first harmonies of the great hymn of peace, which myriads of insects hidden in the grass raised nightly to the stars. And here we get him, like, overly describing a scene again. Yeah, uh, one thing I did notice just now, not when I was originally reading it, uh, he begins almost all of his descriptions with the... And it bothers me. Like, hmm. notice there, you have four sentences in there where every sentence starts with the evening breeze, the river was turbid, the clear air, the chir chirping swallows, etc. Yeah. Uh, it's an annoying little writing habit. Maybe it's different in the original Italian, but... I, I don't feel like that would be too different of a change. Yeah, I feel like if that's how it starts in the English translation, that's probably how it starts in Italian. Yeah, I'm just wondering if like Italian uh, is a gendered language, you know? Oh yeah, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, it wouldn't be too different, but maybe it just reads better in Italian. Yeah, but here it's just kind of annoying. It almost seems to like stop the previous description in a way. Yeah, uh, in a almost sudden sort of way. Yeah, but uh, and it, it describes the landscape, and it, that's not going to be relevant for very much longer, because he's going to go inside. Yeah, uh, you did not have to do all that for this place when he's not there long. Yeah. Uh, it was close to midnight when Don Benicio crossed the bridge of San Lorenzo. The wooden pavement of the seven arches reverberated under the iron shoes of the horse. The intoxication from the wine had vanished, so he's not shit-faced anymore. Yeah. Maybe he's a little uh, buzzed still, but yeah. he's not, not fucked up anymore. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> Glad he got sober. Yeah. One day sober. Yeah. <laughs> Don Benicio was once more an official personage. He was in an indescribable state of physical and moral exhaustion. Before going to bed, he asked himself... Did those peasants recognize me? <laughs> just his first thought is just like, oh man, I don't want to get canceled. Yeah, man, I was way too drunk. Yeah. I don't want to be canceled. He slept heavily, tormented by the image of Claudia and by dreams of revenge. Dude, you gotta let her go. Yeah, this isn't healthy, man. Yeah. Come on. For two days, he did not emerge from his room, alleging a headache. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I've, I once had, like, a three-day-long headache. Yeah, just, you know, huge migraine for him. Yeah, but but still, at the same time, it's just like, Yeah, it's like, come on. Yeah. Pick yourself up, man. He was writing a report on his mission for the prior of the cathedral chapter. So, so again, like I mentioned, it's just like the whole landscape description just completely meaningless, because he goes to bed, and then he's just like... It, like, he goes to his room, and then he just stays there for two days. And it's, yeah. That was pointless. Yeah, not to mention the next little bit yeah on the evening of the second day of repose a messenger from the cardinal appeared inviting him to call early the next day at the castle don benicio entered the castle at the stipulated hour the courtyard was filled with the mob of needy persons held in check by a squadron of sutsi with armed with halberds so i couldn't actually find out what those that was sutsi 
uh, S-U-Z-Z-I. I Googled it. I couldn't find much. Uh, the best I could find was, uh, like, I threw it into Google Translate, and it didn't come up with anything in Italian, but it's just Corsican, which I figured, oh, that, I, that might make sense. Corsica is not too far away. Yeah. And it, it translated to dirty, and I don't I, that maybe it's a euphemism it might be like a euphemism for mercenary potentially like i think during this period uh you saw like a rise in uh people using mercenaries to fight their wars instead of uh just peasants armed with sticks because obviously mercenaries better equipment just uh more trained more experienced at war yeah, but I, I just couldn't find what that was exactly. Yeah. It may be a mercenary, like you suggested. I think that's most likely. It was especially prominent in Italy at the time. Yeah, that that I can see. In the antechambers and in the corridors, priests, knights, lawyers, servants, and soldiers crowded, twisted, and jostled. Many bowed as Don Benizio appeared and were amazed at seeing in his gait the sign of unexpected old age. Several people spoke of this to their neighbors, and all concluded that Don Benicio must be seriously sick. So it's just like, oh no, he's walking slow. This oh, is the he, biggest news. He it's must just, be dying. Also, it's just like, it's he's walking now, and in the time between him walking now and apparently later, it's just like, it's this news is spread everywhere. <laughs> At least that's how it's it's written. That's how it like it seems like it would be written like i i would like br put that later the yeah like people spreading gossip of this yeah i guess just like the people in the castle are just noticing it in like the the antechamba yeah anyway i'll pass it off to you now okay sounds good the cardinal had been awaiting him in the private audience chamber when don benicio entered he was not a little surprised to find himself face-to-face -face with Ludovico Particella, intent on the reading of some papers. The three personages exchanged but a few chill words of formal courtesy. Their faces betrayed the gravity of the questions which preoccupied them. Yeah, so in case it's not clear, just due to the way it's written, uh, Emmanuel Madruzzo invited Don Benicio to talk. And uh, Ludovico Particella, Claudia's father, is there yes. as well. Because I, like when I first read this, I was confused. You forgot about Ludovico? No, I forgot about Emmanuel, because I, oh. I forgot that's who the cardinal was. Right, that Emmanuel Madruzzo is the cardinal. Yeah, no, because I was like, where did Emmanuel come from? Oh, right, he's the cardinal. Right, because we've mostly just been calling him uh, Madruzzo, or the cardinal. Yeah, or Emmanuel. Yeah. Like, I, like... When I hear him, like, we haven't really been seeing him referred to as the Cardinal very much. Yeah. Uh, Emmanuel Madruzzo began in an outwardly calm voice. Each time that I am obliged to assert my princely authority to punish in some manner those who have served me, the sentiment of gratitude fights a bitter combat in my soul with the sentiments of duty and justice. I should like to live without being obliged to punish but my desire remains platonic in face of the malevolence of men. One may not always pardon, especially when the guilty one is conscious of the acts which he commits. This exordium was not necessary. Yeah, I know. It's it's so weird. The This exordium was not necessary is in parentheses. Yeah. But it's also, like, put with the dialogue. 
It's like there's not an end uh, quotation mark there. Yeah, it's no. just listed as part of the dialogue, and it's really weird. It's just like we didn't. You don't need to tell us that Mussolini. Why is Mussolini butting in to say the thing he wrote was not necessary? Yeah, I mean, that should be apparent. Like, if he was a good writer, that should be apparent in the text that this is unnecessary. Yeah, which I did get that opinion. Like, right now he's just sort of speaking, like, you're going to have to be punished. You know why. Yeah, I know. I mean, it is, like, the exordium means introduction, basically. Yes. Um, so, yeah, this introduction is superfluous. It's unnecessary, but... I guess if that fit Madruzo a bit more, but Madruzo still kind of lacks a personality. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I mean, everyone lacks a personality. Except Don Benicio. He's the only one who has a personality, and he's a dick. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, I mean, actually, I would say Claudia has the most personality. We just haven't seen a whole lot of it yet. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I. It does feel like a bit of it is hidden. Yeah, it's just that she doesn't well, give a most shit. Most of it. Most of it is hidden. She did have quite a bit of personality when we actually got dialogue from her. Yeah. All men know me, and you, Don Benicio, know me better than the others. You who have been entrusted with the most delicate missions at my hands. You who have been my counselor, my secretary, and my companion. Uh, never got the sense that they were companions. Yeah, I know. That's a good point. Isn't this, this is like the first time they've actually properly interacted that we've seen, I believe. On the page, they definitely have Yeah, before. I mean, they, yeah, they definitely know each other from beforehand. Yeah, like, like they were on the council. But this is the first time we've seen them interact together. Yeah, so it's weird to call him his companion. Is it supposed to be like, not childhood friends exactly, but before Claudia entered the picture, they were friendly? Um, I think it's just that they're in the same line of work. Yeah. As in their clergy yeah, it, it's just weird for companion to be the word there. Yeah, I know. It's it's weird. But it's just like, it's this problem I've noticed with the book where he, he, he he's very good at showing, like, the scene. Yes. show Like, show, don't tell. Like, that obvious writing uh, tactic. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the actual, like, what the characters are doing and, like, how they interact with each other, it's, he just tells you. And it's yeah. so annoying. And he tells you through dialogue, too, which yeah. is very annoying. Yeah, because you'll just have these long pages of dialogue. Yeah, it's just like when you see, like, in a movie or any piece of media, really, where, like, two characters who are friends meet, and it's like, hey, buddy, how's it going? We're, and they, like, act, like, real friendly. It's just like, it's like, yeah, okay, I understand that they're friends, but it's just like, this feels kind of ham-fisted. Forced, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the characters will never act like that again for the rest of the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They'll, like, be friendly, but not that friendly. Yeah, that, and that's always something I found annoying. Yeah. But from today, you lose all right to my confidence. From today, you cease to belong to my family, my court. I had almost said to my people. Uh, so basically, yeah. it almost sounds like he was going to exile him, which was considered... Uh, in some cultures at the time, or in this general time period, to be worse than execution. Yeah. Um, does does Emmanuel Madruzo have that authority? Um, technically, yes. Cardinals, during this period, a cardinal would basically be like a duke or an archduke. Yeah, but at the same time, he wants to quit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's weird. He's definitely using the authority that he wants to lose right now. Yeah, I know. It's really weird. It... It's funny. I I guess 
I would too if, you know. Yeah, I know. Like, if I was in this position, even if I wanted to quit, I would still use my authority to punish the guy. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. You could be like that one pope who, who became pope and then changed the rules so the pope could quit and then quit. Yeah. <laughs> because he didn't want to be pope. Yeah, th- that's always funny when somebody who doesn't want to be the pope actually gets elected. Yeah, that was funny because he's just like, guys, pick a pope already. It's been two years without a pope. And they're like, okay, you're going to be pope now. And then he's like, okay, well, I the pope can quit now. And now I quit. And then the Bye. next pope <laughs> threw him in prison. <laughs> Which, like, yeah, you shouldn't be able to get out of the job that easily, but also sucks well, he th- that he, he threw was him put in, in prison because he threw him in prison because he's like he may come and try and like usurp me. It's like the guy just wants to be a monk. Yeah, he, leave him alone. He wanted to leave. Leave my boy alone. Yeah, that's my son. <sighs> Don Benicio listened impass- impassibly. His arms crossed upon his breast. His cheeks were livid. He kept his eye fixed upon the great silver cross which gleamed upon the black velvet mantle of the cardinal. Uh, don't love using... Eh, no, that's fine, actually. I was gonna complain about black velvet mantle, but... No, that's fine. He's just describing the color and the yeah. material. Uh, it's still awkward to, to like, read aloud. Mm. But obviously, that was not the point. Yep. Unfair criticism by me. I retract it. <laughs> the measure with which you chastise me, O oh my lord, said Don Benizio, causes me profound sorrow, but I am resigned as every obedient servant, every good Christian, should be. Permit me, nevertheless, to ask the motives for your action. All this was spoken in a humble tone. The cardinal continued. Your, equival- your equivocal conduct has long impressed me, For some years I have been observing and studying you, and at times I have been forced to admire the ingenuousness. I haven't heard that word before. Really? Yeah, no, I thought it said ingeniousness for a bit, which I have heard. (laughs) With which you have been able to serve two masters, God and the devil, (laughs) and to balance two contradictory interests, two hostile passions. This disturbed Don Benizio, and his cheeks turned scarlet. You have been playing your comedy with finesse, but I, but as time passed, I was able to discern the less noble sides of your nature. I was aware of the calumnies which you disseminated concerning me and a lady whom I prof- whom I love profoundly. I like how he's not even hiding the fact that he's dating Claudia. Yeah, no. Not even... As he's using his authority, he's also, like, contradicting that authority. Yeah, I know. It's just like, he's blaming Don Benicio of serving two masters. That's what he's doing. And I yeah. get the, the point is that he's being a hypocrite. But it's just like, you're being a hypocrite to the guy who you're, like, you're calling out. Yeah, and it's like... Like, he, like you both know that you're do, that the two of you are being hypocrites. Yeah, both of you know. You're just putting on a farce in your private chambers. Yeah, I know. Along with the... With the father of the person that you're dating that is part of this hypocrisy which is weird i hope we get to hear i hope he becomes more of a character yeah i know he's just kind of there yeah that's kind of just been what he does like what what does he think about this Mm -hmm. uh i was not ignorant of the maneuvers with which you sought to bring discord into my family and into my immediate circle i had knowledge of your endeavors of your demands and of your mishaps yet i tolerated you 
because I was useful to you, interrupted Don Benicio. True, probably. Yeah. I feel that's probably a fair criticism. Useful, perhaps, replied the cardinal, but not indispensable. I tolerated you to preserve the peace, to avoid scandals touching my private life. I sought to disarm you with my charity and indulgence. I was aware that my efforts were vain. Passion blinded you and filled your heart with hatred. Recently you have conspired with my worst enemies. You hate me always. You must find it logical in self, if in self-defense. I send you away and deprive you of your weapons. So basically just like, yeah, dude, you're fired. Yeah. Sorry, bro. Yeah. You mind if I pick back up? Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Don Benicio Rose, I have no desire to exculpate myself, my lord, and I will not, and I will accept your sentence without discussing it. But time will show that I was right. It's just like I mean, ever like at this point, it's not, it's not even a secret. Yeah. No, you are. He, I. They both are acting like there's an audience when it's just the father of Claudia there, yeah. just kind of hanging. I mean, out. it's not even the dating thing that's like not even a secret. It's just like we'll we'll see in a bit that like. Uh, uh, what what's his uh niece's name? Uh, Filiberta. Yeah, Filiberta. Everyone knows that she's dead now too. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, people know. <laughs> yeah, like what what are you guys doing here? <laughs> yeah, be seated, be seated, commanded Emmanuel. I have not finished. He pushed the chair back from the table, opened the drawer, and drew from it a dagger, a saber, and a knife. Lots of bladed weapons. Yeah. <laughs> Do you recognize these weapons? Don Benicio looked at them and replied, Yes. To me... Uh, sorry. Yes. The dagger has been mine ever since you gave it to me. But I did not give it to you f to use for criminal purposes. The priest reddened. And this sword belongs to whom? I do not know. Permit me not to say. Do you recall where you left these weapons? In the Church of the Holy Trinity. This is very bland dialogue. Yep. This yes. is like a judge reading out a sentence. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I, as someone who doesn't really write, um, uh, the I've seen people make the argument, and it's just like, to make your writing more interesting, make the sentences different lengths. Yeah. It's very simple. Just don't keep making the same, like, approximately the same length sentences. It shouldn't read, like, a court transcript. <laughs> yeah. And I get there's, like, ways you can do that stylistically. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah, like, I remember, um, God, I, I need to get back to reading A Song of Ice and Fire, but I remember uh, decently early on in A Game of Thrones, uh, I'm reading an enhanced, the enhanced version, like, on, I, on Apple Books. Which, like, has all sorts of, like, notes, like, tell you, oh, this family is this, and whatever. But at one point, it brings up a note with, um, God, what's, uh, Ned's wife's name? What's her? Catelyn? Catelyn, yes. Um, there's a scene from her, like, one chapter from her perspective. And she's, um, she's, she's been up all night, uh, over Bran, who's, like, it comatose. Inter yeah. Um, and, uh, at one point, there's a note in the writing, and then when you click on it it tells you it's just like the way this is written in like lots of run-on sentences because it's like loose uh first person perspective like the like the writing itself is third person but it's, you're in the mind of the yeah, person yeah yeah and uh it's just like and it's the reason it's written like but like this is because uh like she's up all night she's not in like a great state of mind yeah. right now emotionally so it's, so it's like the writing is is it's written like that to reflect that 
So there's ways you can do that stylistically. It doesn't work here because it's just two guys talking. Yeah. Uh, two guys talking with no descriptions in between yeah, it's just for like, these bits. Like, I, I can see, like, writing lots of short sentences if there's, like, a lot of stuff happening in very quick succession. Yeah. Just, like, I keep trying to snap, and I'm I'm very bad at snapping, and it's not working. <laughs> uh, but you get the idea where it's just, like, if a lot of things are just, like, boom, boom, boom. It's just, like, if you write lots of quick sentences, I, I understand that. Yeah, sometimes that's a, a valid uh, stylistic choice. Yeah, uh, but that's not what's happening here. Not at all. Yeah, no. Uh, in general, the dialogue, a lot of the characters just do not have personality in their dialogue. Is something that I've kind of noticed. Yeah, I know. Some exceptions here and there. Yeah. But, like, this part, either one of them, yeah. if we did not know what role they had in this talk, uh, could be saying these words. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that was one thing I noticed that I had a problem with while reading this, is that it doesn't, like, really do a good job of identifying who's talking. Yeah, the, time. the characters don't really have a unique voice. Yeah. Uh, which is something that could actually be solved uh, with what you were talking about, just, like, different sentence lengths for the dialogue. Yeah. Like, for instance, you were talking about Game of Thrones. Uh, Ned will o almost always open conversations with pretty short sentences, sometimes even just one word, because mm -hmm. he's a quiet man. Ah. Uh, but then later on uh, into the conversation, when he has more stuff to bring up or talk about, once it's, like, appropriate to do so, he'll speak a lot longer about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go back like a sentence or two because I wasn't entirely, I'm not entirely sure where I left off. Fair. Uh, do you recall where you left these weapons? And the Church of the Holy Trinity. Do you recall the purposes for which you went by night to the convent? Yes, to clear up a mystery, to profane a tomb, which you yourself had previously opened. Be silent. I command you to hold your tongue. Respect my niece and the dead which do not concern you. Very for, rich for him to be yeah, saying I know. that. It's like, you kept your niece imprisoned in a room. I get that's the point, but at the yeah. same time, it's just like... It's like, you're calling out someone's hypocrisy to someone who knows that you're also a hypocrite. Yeah, like, you killed her, kind of. Yeah. Philiberta belonged to the, to the people. To all of us. No, no she didn't. That's yeah. not how people work. Yeah, no. Uh, people don't belong to anyone, except in, I guess, like, the romantic sense. Yeah. To the man who wished to make her his wife. You killed her. It is said in the town that you poisoned her. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, yeah, she's dead and that he's partly responsible for that. But that's that's a pretty blatant accusation. Yeah. Like, I understand why he would get angry at that. Yeah. At these words, the cardinal leapt to his feet. His aspect was threatening. He shook his fists at Don Benizio, who had risen and held his arm, arms crossed upon his breast. Ludovico Particella, who had followed the co colloquy in silence, intervened to calm the two prelates. It is you, you, Don Benizio, who dares to throw in my face this infamous calumny. It is you and your accomplice who have spread the rumor. I, poisoner of Filiberta? I, who owe my gentleness of character, a whole train of misfortunes, great and small, shameless one. With a violent motion, he struck a bell, which stood on the table. The valet appeared. Two guards, immediately. Don Benizio showed, showed no signs of agitation. Only his mouth twisted itself into a sneer of infernal irony, and pronounced in measured syllables these words, I expected imprisonment. 
But do you imagine that in this way you can silence my voice? You are mistaken. The guards appeared. Emmanuel Madruso commanded, Conduct Don Benicio to the secret dungeon of the castle. Not, not just the regular dungeon, the secret dungeon. Yeah, always gotta have a secret dungeon. Yeah. I, just reminded of like Avatar the Last Airbender. but it's like set, uh, set, uh, send them to the dungeon it's like do you want to send them to the good chamber or the bad chamber the newly refurbished chamber <laughs> which one is that the chamber that used to be the bad one <laughs> uh, I think what he's referring to there by the way is um, this idea of the oubliette it's a oh, French yeah, yeah. word which is like that's where you put people to be forgotten i don't think it actually existed historically I, i'm I pretty sure it just translates to dungeon i think that was an actual thing but i think that was like a french thing uh maybe i've heard that it never actually existed and it's sort of like yeah because that is a french word i believe it is a french word but it, i believe it just translates to dungeon Ah, uh, okay but anyway i'll let you pick up here uh yes uh here we are let you finish up the chapter yep on the threshold, the priest stopped, turned around, and cried, Your star, O Cardinal Madruzzo, is about to set. Your hour is about to strike. Go, go, mischievous prophet of evil. It is most probable that you will not hear the striking of my destined hour. So melodramatic. Yeah, like, come on, dudes. Yeah, I know. And I, I get people were, like, more long-winded back then. Yeah, I, I still can't see them being so poetic about their hatred for yeah, each other. Yeah, I know. It's... They're both angry, and they're just saying fucking Shakespeare, when in actuality, the conversation probably would have gone just like, fuck you. No, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it would go today, at least. Yeah. It would have been more like that, I think, uh, realistically. Uh, Don Benicio crossed the antechamber and ascended the stairway with head erect. The emotion aroused by his arrest was visible in the faces of the courtiers and prelates who had been awaiting Ludovico Particella and had already begun to besiege him for news. The counselor did not satisfy the, the exasperated curiosity of the crowd. He replied laconically that information would be forthcoming the next day. He retired into the hall of the Aulic Council, which suspended its session in order to receive an urgent communication from the cardinal. Don Benicio was the private secretary to Emmanuel Madruzel, Madruzel, and the Aulic Council had no call to concern itself with the question. Ludovico Particella believed, nevertheless, that it was wise to explain the circumstances of the affair. At the news of the death of Filiberta, the council became grave. It finally ratified the decisions of the cardinal in regard to Don Benicio. Then it de declared the session ended and dispersed. The faces of the counselors betrayed a single spontaneous presentiment. The death of Filiberta would precipitate a crisis, unleash a tempest, and bring the clouds of death over the land. God damn. Like, am I just not understanding what society was like back then? Why is this person's death, like, so, like, like cataclysmic? Yeah, uh, I think it's more like Mussolini's misunderstanding of it. Uh, because while the common people might have a special connection to certain figures, it would most likely be like soldier, like a 
lords known for their martial skill and participating who participated in like tournaments and whatnot yeah like I, i'm not above believing that like the death of someone important back then would lead to like bat like the people like civil unrest but i don't understand why her death would lead to yes this. it's not really explained it's just like oh yeah uh, she was beloved by the people. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things where the M Mussolini is demanding that we accept this premise. Yeah, and I don't know, like without context to it. I don't know that I can. Yeah, it's just like I, like explain why this is happening. Yeah, like, like don't just say it's happening was, and demand that I accept it. Was she generous with the people? Did she like donate to orphanages? Yeah, we don't know anything about her other than she was supposed to marry, uh, or she wanted to marry Claudia's brother. And then no, she didn't want to marry Claudia's brother. She wanted to marry that count who went with Benicio. Oh right, right, right. What uh, the cardinal wanted was for her to marry Claudia's brother. Right, right. Um, it's just like that. We just know he, she wanted to marry him, the uh, the count, and not Claudia's brother. And then that she got imprisoned and then died. That's all we know about her. Yeah, very little there to base anything off of for why this is happening. I also don't know what anyone looks like. Yeah, st still nothing on that. Just like, oh, Benicio looks like he's fucking sick. Yep. Uh, yep. Anyway, what do we want to call that chapter? Because that's the end of uh, chapter six. That's a good question. Uh. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, hypocrisy. Um, uh, Madruzo versus Benicio, the the hypocritical fight of the century. Yeah, something like that. Something to do with hypocrisy, because they're both terrible people. Yeah, I know. No one in this book is good. Yeah, I don't really like any of them. I guess I like uh, the Count, who... Yeah. I mean, there's, like, there's, there's ways to write stories where everyone's a piece of shit, and to it's make it enjoyable. Sunny. I don't... This is not enjoyable. Yeah, no, not really. It's just like, I don't like any of you, and I barely know anything about you. Yeah, it's just like, I, I hate you, even though, like, I haven't gotten to know you. It's just like, I don't I don't care. Like, I don't care about what happens to the characters, and, like, what little I do care, it's just like, you guys are all assholes. Yeah, I feel like there's potential in the character of the Count, whose name I forgot, so, whoops. Uh, just because it's like, well, it's... The fucking uh, uncle of the woman he loved basically killed her, not on purpose, but essentially killed her. Uh, where is he in this? He should be like a prominent opponent of Madruzo now. And he is a noble. He has a title. He he could be a fairly prominent actor in all of this. Yeah. And he just kind of disappeared. <laughs> anyway, uh, on to chapter seven, which... Uh, I, I would just get to give a name right now. Mussolini complains about priests or complains about the clergy. Yeah. Sounds uh, that, that's it. He just yeah. complains about the clergy through random characters through yeah. random peasants. And like fair, I guess. I and, mean, I don't like the church anyway. Um, so we're going to start out and I'm immediately going to go off into a tangent, but probably before I finish the first sentence, actually, <laughs> um, yeah, before I finish the first sentence, because I just realized the first paragraph is just one sentence. <laughs> At the extremity of the moat of San Simonino, and here's where I'm going to go off on my tangent. I just for, I just read the first clause. <laughs> uh, so San Simonino is a Saint is a Simon of Trent, who is this young boy, I believe, 
I, I did like a little bit of research. I read this chapter this morning before coming over. Right. Um, and and so I did like this is I did a little bit of research because I was like, what is San Simonino? And I actually knew about this beforehand. And I, I don't remember all the details in my research today, but I'll just go over it. So he was this young boy. I believe he was two and a half and he went missing. And afterwards, when his body was found, um, basically people blamed the local Jewish community for killing him and using his blood to in their uh, in oh, their good. traditions. Oh, good. Because that was a trope at that time and is still a trope today that Jews use the blood of Christians in their uh, rituals. Yeah. Uh, during Nazi Germany, that was an especially popular trope with Jewish butchers specifically. Uh Actually, a lot of their propaganda was specifically dedicated to Jewish butchers. I don't really know why. <laughs> Were yeah. a lot of them butchers? Yeah, but um, yeah. So like the uh, like the body was found like close to like one of like the like the uh, one Jew's property. Like there was like three prominent Jewish leaders like as in the community, and it, right. the body was found like close to one of his properties. So it might have been, even been on his property like in like this ditch and so and uh the jews like he he was the one who reported this to the authorities that like when the body was found like he went and reported this but like in like lots of the legal documents that fact conveniently gets left out oh he was good. the one who reported it and so um like the they have some jews eventually confessed after being tortured which is always a trustworthy yeah. uh method of getting information and i believe 15 jews were executed from what i remember jesus yeah and like the rest were like like punished in other ways and like right. they were like uh ostracized because yeah good and I'm it was all that happened and uh this ties in a lot today uh like with current like conspiracy theories surrounding like adrenochrome like it's all just like repackaged blood libel yeah um and I remember, like, I saw this recently, like, QAnon folks were, like, there's a statue uh, depicting, like, uh, uh, San Simonino, Simon of Trent, uh, supposedly being killed by Jews for his blood. And, uh, and QAnon folks were just like, this proves that the elites kill children for their blood. And it's just like, no. No, that's just a statue. Yeah, no, so, could... so, no, someone blamed someone else for that, and now you're using... So some other crazy person way back when said the same shit you're saying now, and you're using that as evidence that what you're saying now is true. Because... And they were still wrong back then. Yeah, I know. I see this with, like, Flat Earthers. It's like, like, I saw this guy, some guy post recently, like, this, like screenshot of the cover of this pamphlet or book or that this other flat earther like hundreds of years ago wrote it's like here's why the earth is flat 100 proofs of the earth being flat and it's just like yeah this is proof the earth is flat it's like no is this is proof that there were crazy people back then too yeah you idiot fucking loser yeah so anyway out of curiosity actually before you start do you know if uh saint simon of trent is like a local saint or uh, I, I officially he, canonized? I, I don't think... I. From what I remember on my research, there was, like, efforts to get him sa uh, canonized. I don't think he actually got canonized. Hold on, let me... Uh, uh, yeah, this sort of thing interests me because, like, a lot of smaller towns and whatnot during the Middle Ages yeah. would just have, like, uh, local saints who aren't actual saints. One of which, in I believe somewhere in France, was a dog. Yeah, uh, I believe he was just a local saint. He was not canonized. He was beat uh, beatified, which is the step before canonization, right. uh, 
by Pope Sixtus V in uh, 1588. Uh, he was uh, he died in 1475. Okay, interesting. Uh, that's very interesting. So yeah, uh, just a weird thing that came up, and I was like, hmm, this is a somewhat weird premonition, like, like yeah. because it's like, oh, hey, anti-Semitism. I wonder if he's gonna if uh, Mussolini's gonna get involved with that at some point. Yeah. So anyway, back to the actual story because that was just the first clause of this chapter. At the extremity of the moat of San Simonino near Via Lunga, which I actually wasn't like I did did a little bit of research. I couldn't quite figure out that what that was. The best I could find it's basically just like this uh, small village. I forget where, hmm. but um, it was just like. I, like it was kind of weird, right? Uh, beneath one of the those arches, which by night take on the appearance of one of Dante's caverns, there existed at the period in which occurred the events which we are narrating a tavern of the meanest sort, a uh, wretched hive of scum and villainy, <laughs> which bore above the door the Latin phrase "taberna est," which means this is a shop. Basically, this is a shop. The True. Hip, yeah. The habitues were the residents of the quarter, artisans who worked in the tiny shops of the suburbs, small tradesmen and itinerant merchants. It was a noisy and dangerous clientele, especially after the abundant Sunday libations. To the tavern there came frequently a certain Sima, uh, or Chima, C-I-M-A, that's the name of a character. Chima. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Chima. Okay. An improvising poet and roving minstrel, a mysterious yet impressive personage. Personage, that was uh, that was Mussolini's word of day, yeah, uh, on his word of day calendar. Personage, yeah, he's been using that a lot lately. Yeah, in these past couple chapters, it just kind of pops up. That like that was his favorite word for a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, of pu- of pungent speech and heavy hands. He had sojourned with many noble Italian families and had lived some time at the court of the of the Madruso. He was familiar with the chronicles, old and new, and was accustomed to make a great impression with his erudu- erudition gained at first hand from the lords of the day, great and small. When he entered the first of the two smoky rooms which comprised the ground floor of the tavern, many of the guests arose, greeted him, and offered him a glass. The tavern keeper, a fat old man with an opulent beard, welcomed him with a friendly gesture. <laughs> Chima was one of the most influential chiefs of the party in opposition to the Madruzzo and the Particella. A facile speaker, full of witticisms and resonant phrases, he had retained from his career of roving jester certain chosen gesticulations and grimaces. Again, I, I want to I want you to show me this. Don't just tell me this. Yeah. Like, this is way too long an introduction for this character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, show me this as we yeah. go on. He often indulged in a defense of the profession which had given him familiarity with the great and had permitted him to live without acquiring calloused hands. He was wont to say that the prin- princes had need of the wit of buffoons uh, as a lamp that has need of oil to make it burn. He despised the great men of the earth. He had Based. seen... <laughs> He had seen them too close at hand. He had cherished against them the animosity of the liberated slave. A few hours after the, rest, the arrest of Don Benizio, the tavern of the moat of San Simonino was filled with customers. 
On Saturday, one drinks were more rada- were more readily. What? Sorry. On Saturday, one drinks more readily. I feel like there should have been a comma after Saturday. Yeah. Uh, it works either way, but it's. I think a separation there would have probably been good yeah, for I easier know. reading. Yeah, because that that messed me up. All the habitual clients and many besides sat at the tables before flask. Bu- sat at the tables before flasks, which were rapidly drained. Their talk was noisy, and their fists pounding on the table made the bottles and empty glasses clatter. Anyway, I'll let you continue here, because this is where dialogue starts. Sure. I do find uh, Chima to be an interesting character. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like, it's. I think it is actually a good decision to introduce Chima, another opposition member, to Madruzo, mm-hmm. after getting rid of the only other one we really have. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Although Don Benicio wasn't doing it because for like for he good was just reasons. being a freak. He just wanted to have sex with Claudia, even yeah. though getting rid of Madruzzo is not conducive towards that goal. Yeah, it's just like, what are you doing, dude? You're just kind of a freak and a loser. You're an incel. <laughs> You're an incel, Don Benicio. All right. <clears throat> They poisoned her. I tell you, they poisoned her, yelled a shoemaker who had forgotten to take off his apron. No, no, she died of consumption, replied a chimney sweep, still black with soot. I will say, I do like the descriptions of, like, these, like, uh, unnamed, uh, like, random guys. Yeah. It's I, like the chimney sweep, still black with soot. I like that. I, I appreciate that description. Yeah, it's... I feel like I uh, know more about them already than I do yeah, some no, of the it's, other characters. It's a brief description, but it... it adds just a little bit of flavor to like what's going on it like gives me a little bit more of a visual yeah. without lingering too much on them yeah it, it's a nice little touch actually so good job Mussolini yeah it's just like like I said there are times where the prose is decent yeah it's just that the plot like it demands that you accept it yep then why asked the first did they try to make a secret of Filiberta's death isn't that the best proof that there was a crime committed? Do you suppose that the imprisoning of Don Benicio has no connection with the death of Filiberta? I hope your simplicity won't become absolute imbecility. It is the Count de Castelnuovo. That was his name. Or not his name, but like yeah, more the, of his name. The, basically his title. Yeah. Who let out the secret. The host thought it best at this point to intervene and gravely rendered judgment. One must not assert things that haven't been proved. The most reasonable character in the entire book so far. Yeah, just like, hey guys, don't speculate. We we don't know shit. You're a fucking shoemaker and you're a chimney sweep. Yeah, it's just like, like just literally the most reasonable character. (laughs) Chima entered and interrupted the discussion. He too was excited over the stories which were spreading through the city. The death of Filiberta, young, beautiful, innocent had spread consternation among the people. From street to street, from door to door, from mouth to mouth, the tragic news had leapt. Exciting exciting indignation and commiseration. There we go. Uh, It was cut off. I don't know if it is on what you're reading, but it was cut off. Oh, no, it's it's, uh, pretty much kind of like in the middle of the line in my copy. Ah. Uh, The arrest of Don Benicio filled the cup to overflowing. Men leaving the taverns exchanged opinions and parted, rending the air with threatening gestures. The streets were silent. 
deserted. It was the moment for the spark which would ignite the conflagration. The conflagration. Excuse me. Chima's arrival in the tavern restored calm for a few minutes. Everyone wanted detailed news. He alone could explain the enigma, reveal the mystery. But Chima, after responding distractedly to the collective welcome, wormed himself into a corner of the room to drink undisturbed and listen to the conversation of others. The talk began again. The death of Filiberta was the impassioned theme of every discourse. Uh, so I guess I am glad that we're actually seeing the people react to the news of the death. Yeah. At the very least, he is showing us that. Yeah, I just don't understand why they're so upset. I mean, yeah. I would be upset if like, I found out like someone died under suspicious circumstances and yeah. it involved like, a high-ranking member of like like the local clergy of the government essentially yeah of the government but it's just like i don't understand why the reaction is quite this visceral yeah it like good that he's showing us the reaction but we sh he should have also shown us why the reaction yeah. i don't know maybe i'm just like so des desensitized to like shit like yeah. politicians being shitty that i'm just like eh i guess like news you couldn't get, like, the 24-hour news cycle, so everything is, like, bigger news. Yeah, today it's just, like, uh, it's just, like, you're constantly hearing about, like, the fucked up shit politicians do, so it's just, like, eh. Yeah. You, you get desensitized to this shit pretty quick. Uh, <clears throat> the sentimentality of the mob exploded. Some attacked without reserve the authority of the cardinal. Others accused him of incapacity to rule the destinies of the principate. All were agreed in blaming Claudia, the sorceress, the harlot, the Cleopatra in minor form. It was she who had caused the arrest of Don Benicio and the ruin of Trent. Not a single voice was raised in defense of the recluse of Castel Toblino. Remember, it's always a woman's fault. True. Every single time. I live by that principle every day. <laughs> I stubbed my toe and cursed the Virgin Mary. Jeez. <laughs> Bestial proposals, obscene phrases, hurtled in the turbid atmosphere of the wine room. The mass gave courage to the individuals, and all the ancient rancors came again to the surface. Misery found release in apostrophes of malediction. Uh, mind if I pick up here? Go ahead. Yes, cried an old man with a face like a crazy triangle. What does, what does that mean? I was going to say the same thing. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> with a face like a crazy triangle... Oh, man, fucking scalene triangles? Ah, shit, we got an is isosceles over here. Yeah. <laughs> we have been suffering for 30 years. Our hunger is the consequence of the Council of Trent, which they held in our city. They bled us white, and now our governors are trampling on us. A full century had elapsed since the Council of Trent, but... And, uh... Oh, hold on, I may need to refresh my loan. Oh, uh, I'll continue for a yep, second. Yeah, my then. loan ran out. It should take, like, all but a second to renew that. A full century had elapsed since the Council of Trent, but the legend of the event remained in the minds of the citizens with all the vividness of a memory, which none of them lived through because the life expectancy is 20. Yeah. Hold <laughs> on. Uh... Yeah, there it is. Okay, I'm going to pick back up. Thank you for reading that one paragraph. Yep, just wanted to fill the void. Yeah. 
the Cardinals banqueted while the miserable, miserable prisoners of the P. de Castello were dying of hunger, said Chima, the expert in local history. I mean, he is basically a bard. I mean, it's just like, for those of you who play, like, tabletop RPGs, like Dungeons and Dragons, like, bard is a class, and they, like, or who don't, I guess. Like, if you play it, you know about bards. If you don't, you don't know what a, what a bard is. Yeah. And, like, they know a lot about, they just have lots of knowledge skills. Yeah, because, you know, they tell stories. You know, yeah. It was a job. They were traveling yeah. minstrels. Yeah, historically, like, minstrels and bards were real things where, like, a local lord would, like, hire them to sing of all their deeds, and they would have to, like, know history. Yeah, like, like they would just learn through the songs and whatnot. Like, yeah. Maybe not the actual history, but they would have a version of the events. Yeah. The closest thing to bards today are are the is the band Sabaton. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, who, like, they sing lots of, like, their metal band that, lots of their songs are about historical events. Yeah, like you, the bravery of soldiers, generally, yeah, is their theme. Yeah, uh, you may know the meme, then the wings, t- when, then the winged Tussars arrived. And then the winged Tussars arrived, coming down the mountainside. Yeah, um, that's about, uh, the siege of Vienna. Yeah. Good band, though uh, it is uncomfortable when they uh, praise Nazi uh, bravery. Oh, do they do that in some of their songs? Yeah, their point is basically like, we, we're we just for the soldiers, but yeah. it's like, eh, well... And maybe don't do the Wehrmacht soldiers. Yeah. I get that not all Wehrmacht soldiers were Nazis, but maybe don't still. Yeah, like even... They're Even still... if they were not card-carrying members of the Communist Party, one only needs to look at the death toll of the Eastern Front to tell, uh, yeah, the... You mean Nazi Party. You said Communist Party. Oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah, the Nazi Party. I yeah, mean, because card-carrying member of the yeah, Communist Party. Yeah, I'm a card-carrying a... member of the Communist they Party. They still haven't sent me my card. <laughs> uh, but uh, my point being, uh, like, the death toll on the Eastern Front was like... 27 million and i believe 9 million german soldiers fought there 20 million of those deaths were civilians uh 7 million were soldiers uh so yeah i'm pretty comfortable saying that uh don't do a clean wehrmacht myth not cool yeah it's just like again not all wehrmacht soldiers were nazis but they were still fighting for the nazis yeah and and they still did horrific war crimes yep even if they were not actual nazis they aided and abetted and committed yep chris yeah so the so uh that uh yeah the whole uh the cardinals banqueted blah 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 uh christoforo madruzo served 50 pound sturgeons and 100 year old wine to the papal legates and i saw 50 pound sturgeon and i was just like how big do sturgeons get and i i looked it up and i there was like one that was like the largest on record was one that was like almost three and a half thousand pounds oh christ <laughs> and i was like jesus and i looked into them sturgeons live like can live up to like 60 years wow that's yeah the, yeah they live a long time yeah. yeah like they like 50 pounds that's around like 16 17 year old sturgeon jesus yeah so um so that's a decent sized sturgeon but still yeah uh, on the third feast of Easter in 1545, they banqueted ri- riotously for full four hours beneath a baldachin of gold, devouring 74 courses. Christ. Could you imagine? Yeah. At this news, people's mouths opened wide in wonder. 
Chima suddenly recovering his natural vein of loquacity and continued. I perceive, I perceive that these facts astonish you. You are profoundly ignorant of the past, even of the recent past. Well, permit me to increase your astonishment. At another banquet offered by the Cardinal Cristoforo Madruzo, who is, I imagine, uh, Emmanuel Madruzo's father. Or at least like a family yes. member. Yeah. To the priests of Rome, there were, or yeah, probably a grandfather because a hundred years ago. Yeah. Or, or actually, no, this is a different banquet. So maybe it is his father. Whatever. Uh, difficult to tell, though. It is a cardinal. So, yeah. I mean, while Emmanuel's fucking around, we don't know if his dad did if he was a cardinal. Could yeah. be an uncle. Yeah. At another banquet offered by the Cardinal Cristoforo Madruzo to the priests of Rome, there were consumed 90 pairs of chickens. I don't know why he had to, like, talk about it in pairs. 90 pairs of chickens. Yeah, so 180. Yeah, just say 180 chickens, not 90, 90 pairs. You're actually downplaying the amount by saying pairs. Yeah, I know. That's one thing, like, this is just the beef I have with, like, the way people represent numbers is when they, like they say stuff in a way that makes it sound like more or less than it actually is. Yep. This is a, this is a complete random aside. Yeah. Um, like the, the worst is when I see in like ancient aliens, when it's just like, when they list something as being like half a century ago, it's just like, that's 50 years. That's not that long. Yeah. I swear to God, they once said, uh, like a quarter of a century ago and I was 25 at the time. I'm like, that's how old I am. Yeah. Like, come on guys, you're making it, you're trying to make it sound like that was a long time ago. Yeah, it's not that long ago. And, and that's something that always irritates me when it's just like, when it's said in a way to misrepresent exactly how long. Because half a century sounds a lot longer than 50 years, right? Yeah. It's done with statistics, too. Like, yeah. just, uh, you can present the same data, but, uh, like, by shifting the actual numbers of what you're showing. Yeah, the range that's being shown. Yeah, the shown. range that's being shown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can very much control, like, what somebody will perceive that as. Yep. Uh, 20 pairs of capons, which from what I found was basically a rooster that's been castrated. Uh, correct. Yep. Yep. Uh, 40 of ducks, 30 of sparrows, half a stag, 25 pairs of rabbits, two and a half calves, two weather sheep, half an ox, 150 melons, eight goats, and condiments to infinity, and a partridge in a pear tree. tree. <laughs> I beg to be excused from telling you how many bottles of wine were emptied by the, these worthy gentry who had come to our city with the intention of bringing the church back to its primitive frugality, simplicity, and in evangelical abstinence. These dates are indelibly graven upon my memory, our, our habitual sufferings and the misery which pursues the people of Trent are but the log logical consequence of a century of continuous and incredible waste. The ever-rising taxes under which we suffer are no longer sufficient to replenish the tre treasury of the Principate. Chima was not exaggerating. Perhaps even he did not know the worst. The court of the Madruzzo rivaled the imperial courts in luxury and magnificence. The priests, priests who frequented it were gay viveurs, or, like, that's a French term. It's, uh, I don't think it has, like, a, a proper translation, but just think of, like, a lively person. Right, that's what because viveur it comes from like like the word like vive like vivacious right like vi vitality if you see like vi a lot it's like from French so a, a jolly lively person yeah is basically what it's getting at yeah uh, gay viveurs who occupied themselves little enough with sacred matters 
Theology divided them, but gluttony united them. Every banquet was an orgiastic jubilation of the belly. Well, I, I do like that sentence very much. Yes, that is a fun sentence. Yeah, again, sometimes the prose is pretty good. Yeah. The chroniclers of the epoch have passed on to us a list compiled with a statistical exactitude worthy of all praise of the banquets, feasts, and all-night balls. Even the priests in their cassocks sacrificed to Ter- Terpissicor, goddess of the dance. Yep. Uh, Greek slash Roman goddess. Yeah, there. I know. It's it's weird how, like, the Catholic Church, like, had lots of, like, Greek rituals. And I know it's, like, part of that had to do with, like, like Greek and Roman rituals because they were trying to, like... I understand it was, like, due to the fact that they were trying to appeal to those types of people. Yeah, and incorporate But those kind them. of traditions lasted a very long time. Yeah. Like, I remember in uh, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, there's, like, one mission where you go to, uh, like, this... Uh, this event that's hosted by like the brother of some like this priest I forget who it was like or cousin of uh, the Borgia Borgia. I can't can't remember I could be misremembering entirely and it's like this like greased like fertility ritual and it's like very weird it's like why are you celebrating this yeah what's up with that guys anyway I will let you continue alright do I always just get the dialogue uh uh, that's a good point. I'll I'll read a little bit longer. No, no, it's fine. I was just I just realized that I think it's just a coincidence. Yeah, luckily it's only like a paragraph of dialogue. Yeah. After a most sumptuous supper, which Cristoforo Madruzo gave in the castle to celebrate the marriage of a relative, the ball commenced. Gentlemen and bishops joined in. Papal legates approved of the dancing, and one of them, the Cardinal de Mont Monti, uh, something like that. Uh, expressed his regret that his gout prevented him from taking part. Another cardinal, Polo, added that the dancing did not seem to him improper, and that he approved of kissing, provided it was done with the utmost modesty and Christian charity. Only Servini uh, vigorously disapproved of the prelates, who passed their time in jumping and dancing instead of setting an example of Christian conduct. Such were the personal customs of the reformers of Catholicism. So, yes, like I said, this is the chapter where Mussolini basically just complains about the Catholic Church. And these are valid complaints. I won't say they aren't. Yeah, no, they're, like, fine complaints. They're having a good time, and just at any point, there's just going to be someone starving on the street because it's the Middle Ages. Yeah, but at the same time, it took us so long to get to the point where it's, like, obvious. Yeah. It's, It's like, okay, get to the point, come on. Yeah, and, um... Yeah, it took so long to, like, get... Like, it, it feels like the plot just serves to, like, get to Mussolini complaining about the Catholic Church. A little bit, yeah. yeah. It's just, like, the message and the plot don't seem super connected to me. Yeah. Uh, I do find it interesting that in Chima, I think Mussolini has a self-insert. Uh, I think Chima's very much going to be uh, the voice of Mussolini. Potentially. I don't know. We'll see if he uh, continues being a character, if he's just here to, like, just complain about the Catholic Church. It seems like he might be, since he opposes the Madruzos so much. Yeah. Uh, The orator of the Tavern of the Moat was therefore right in attributing the remote cause of the present troubles to to the dissipation of the public wealth which occurred during the council. The Principate of Trent had 
too small an income to support a numerous court of ecclesiastics without risking economic bankruptcy and moral ruin. The last Madruza was perhaps paying the penalty for his predecessor's misdeeds. But there were other and more recent causes for complaint. The memory of the pest of... 1630 was not yet obliterated from the minds of the survivors. Another client of the tavern, itinerant Tinker. Yeah, no, I, I was confused because there should be an Anne there. Named Anacleto Roselli, had lived in those sad days in which death had taken its harvest with a broad and reckless scythe. The first case of the pest was noted in the Borgo Nuovo. Borgo? Borgo? Borgo. Something. Borgo. Then the contagion spread rapidly in all quarters of the city. No fewer than 2,382 persons died, 1,242 in the city, and 1,140 in the hospital of the Badia. Yeah, I think you got that first number wrong, unless it's written differently in your copy. Uh, it's definitely 2,382 in mine. Mine is 2,832. Hmm. So, one of our books has a typo. Hold on, let me do the math real quick. Yours is correct. Okay. Yeah, mine has the typo. All right. Interesting. Hmm. When the pestilence was raging, what was our cardinal prince and bishop doing? Demanded the tinker in a loud voice. Do you suppose he stayed in the city to bring comfort to the afflicted, bread to the hungering, asylum to the survivors? No, he preferred to save his skin and courageously retreated to, to his castle of Nano in Ananya uh, to await the end of the scourge. One thing I've noticed is that Mussolini brings up location names as if we should know them. Yeah, I guess because... And I get I get where, where a couple of Americans reading this over a hundred years later. Yeah. And we're not particularly familiar with uh, French... Italian. Yeah, or not French, Italian, like, uh, locations. Geography. Yeah, but at the same time, it's just like, I feel like lots of people in Italia, in, in Italia, in Italy <laughs> at the time wouldn't necessarily know all of these locations yeah like there's places in massachusetts i don't know of yeah there's lots of places like even in our county where it's just like i hear it and i'm like where is that yeah oh there and then i look it up and because i have google maps and i can just look it up yeah uh and they couldn't if they didn't know yep and he returned chima finished for him not to repair his fortunes through hard work and wise governing but to make love to claudia particella to make his amours a public scandal, to draw the cardinal's purple through the mud of old women's gossip, to cause the death of his niece, Filiberta, in a convent, to throw Don Benicio into prison, and to give houses to his Claudia, who today can boast of owning the palace in Campo di Fiera. Yes. Just generally, like, yeah, he did all that shit. Yes, yeah, so he's not popular with the people. Yeah, no, does not seem yeah, like I've, it. Like, like, so far, the only good characters are the common man. Yeah. It, which I mean as Marxist-Leninist. True. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, agree. Fair. Uh, uh, although I would like for uh, there to be good characters as in good writing behind them. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, I'll, I'll pick up. Sure. A sudden general exclamation of surprise and indignation interrupted Chima. Yes, do not be astonished. The daughter of Ludovico Particella has beauty, witchery, and caprice as her courtiers. She wants what she wants. She despoils us. She starves us. It is not the first time that a woman has brought a people to misery and a princely house to ruin. Again, it's always a woman's fault. 
every time. Yeah. Also, uh, just noticing here, the next line starts with Chima was talking with brutal frankness, but uh, before this dialogue, uh, he was interrupted. So it almost seems like I thought somebody else was interrupting him. But that's not the case. I think it's just uh, people got like yeah uh, gasping. That yeah. is what it is. But the way it's written is yeah, like people are just like like huh what uh, yeah. uh what are you talking about, man? Yeah, it's like, the way it's written yeah, does like, is... guys calm down, calm down. I'm gonna explain it in a second. Yeah, just not written well there. Yeah, Chima was talking with brutal frankness. His nature and his former connection with the princely houses gave him the air of knowing what he was talking about. Yet he felt that he had overshot the mark and added, "What I am telling you is perhaps new to you who are are new to you who are resigned to misery, but it is old to all those who hope and reason, those who are today asking themselves if the moment had not come to shake off the yoke. And anyway, it is nothing of me. To, it is nothing to me if what I say reaches the cardinal's ears. The truth is the truth, even for princes." He sat down and drained his glass. The others imitated him. Then each guest commenced to discuss the matter with his neighbors. The, voice, the voices became harsh, and the general attitude threatening. The clientele of the tavern represented the poorest classes, excitable, impulsive, sentimental. They are the classes which patiently endure economic slavery without protest, and then burst into revolt over some moral issue. So here we, ha we actually have some like good like socialist and like communist like writing perspective a little bit yeah uh it's interesting the way he writes it where he's basically saying people revolt over moral issues not economic ones which is you know i mean i don't think he's a marxist but yeah. uh, that is interesting to note because that's not a marxist argument mm-hmm these men were the descendants of the inhabitants of Trent, who in 1407 re rebelled under the leadership of Rodolfo Bellanzani, referendary of the people, and who in 1435 compelled Alexander de, Ma de Mazovia, regent of the bishopric, to come to terms. In their veins ran the blood of the forefathers who in 1275, at the toxin of La Renga, courageously expelled Ezzelino de Romano, I, these I don't know who these people are. Yeah, like this. No. This is like a history lesson, but I don't have context for who these people are. Yep. Yeah, Elisina, uh Yeah, they expelled Ezzelino de Romano, the terror of peoples and of princes. The Latin blood could not but reveal itself. A tragic hour was about to sound in the history of the city. The people were on the verge of revolt not to demand anything definite, but to compel the government and the cardinal to reflect upon a situation which was daily growing more critical. All the clients of the tavern, all the artisans of the inner city, many of the nobility and certain of the ecclesi ecclesiastics were convinced of the imminence of a popular convulsion. Toward midnight, the crowd in the tavern began to disperse. When the bell sounded, the rooms became empty and all returned to their homes." And that is the end of chapter seven. Yep. So we finally get to see the people getting mad. Yeah. Which we've been told about for multiple chapters now. Yeah. It's been like a big thing that's been mentioned, but only now are we actually seeing it, which good. Yeah. yeah. You probably should see that. Glad we actually 
are seeing it too and not being told it. Yeah, I suppose like I I'm now that I think about it a little more, I kind of see why they're like uh uh. Uh, Philiberta's death is riling them up because they clearly already don't like the Madruzo. Yeah, or at the very least, being reminded of what the Madruzos have done over the years is really pissing them off. Yeah, so it's like they they already think they're kind of shitty, and then this happens. Yeah, I, I can kind of see why they're mad, yeah. why this is riling them up. This is just like the last straw. Yeah, like it seems like uh, what Mussolini is basically saying is their lives are shit, so. Uh, when this happens, this moral issue for them to take a stand on, they're like, all right, let's do it, lads. Uh, we're, we don't really have anything else to live for. Yep. Anyway. Yeah, I didn't get a whole lot out of, the, out of that chapter, aside from Mussolini doesn't like the clergy, and here he is talking through characters. Yeah, Chima was very much just like, in this chapter at least, uh, talking for Mussolini. Yep. I will say, I do think this chapter had the best prose so far. Yes, I enjoyed reading this chapter the most. I, I think it did have a good mix of prose and dialogue, although I think, like, the and this is something I've noticed just in general, is that they come in clumps. It's just, like, there's not, like, a good back and forth between the prose and the dialogue. Yeah, you're you're right. It very much is just, like, oh, here's a good part. Don't look after it. Yeah, it's just like you'll get like a chunk of prose followed by a chunk of dialogue instead of just like going back and forth between the like a few sentences of prose, a few sentences of dialogue. It's the back and forth is like not that much. I do think that in terms of plot so far, this was probably the most important chapter. Yeah, I I kind of agree with that because like so much of what's happened so far was just like petty squabbles. Yeah. Well, not petty. Someone died. Yeah, someone did die. Someone was arrested. Uh, But this seems like it's going to be an actual, like, not a climax, but uh, it seems like this is going to build up to a climax. Which, yeah. given he's writing a serial, I'm yeah, assuming like the we'll inciting, get a lot of... The inciting incident happened a few chapters ago. The inciting incident happened in, like, chapter two, but we didn't actually get any, like, rising action until, like, a few chapters later. Yeah. Which is not great writing. Not really. There was a lot of bullshit thrown in there. Yeah, absolutely. So far, though, uh, I guess I'm more on board than I was at the start. Yeah, like, the first chapter was absolutely abysmal. Yeah, it was dog shit. Yeah, I know. And now we've gotten something that's pretty middling. Yep. Like, like, I remember I was actually looking at reviews briefly, and most people are, like, two or three stars. I think like like on Goodreads it has like a two point eight, and I'm like, yeah, that's about this is about a two point eight. Yeah, out of five. Yeah, like once you get past the first chapter, there is like a bearable, like it's bearably, bearably readable. Yeah. Not not barely readable, barely, bearably readable. Yep. Like you can bear to do it. Yep. Anyway. I don't have anything else to add so far. Uh, yeah, same. I think we're we're good here. Anyway, uh, to wrap things up like we always do, you can find us on Twitter at uh, htlww underscore pod. You can email at us email at us at uh, howtheleftwasonepod at gmail dot com. You can leave a review for us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it is, as it were. 
and you can also find us on Apple Podcasts as, long, as well as Google Play, Apple Music, uh, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, but not for very much longer, uh, uh, just until the end of August, and then it will be on Pandora, which is owned by the same company. You yep. can also find us on Radio Public. And, uh, yeah, we also have a Patreon, which, uh, patreon.com forward slash how the left was one. Please don't feel free obligated to donate at all. Don't do it at all. Don't even look. Yeah. <laughs> there are no rewards there aside from we will say your name. Yep. And even then, I don't think that's clearly denoted. I really should change the description of the one tier that we have on there. Yeah. Which is just for a dollar, right? Yeah. Just for a dollar. And it was just like, you should probably set it to two dollars. And I was just like, no, it's going to be a dollar. Yeah. But whatever. You can also find us on Slapbook. Slapbook, our favorite platform. Yeah, favorite social media platform, because it's not run by Elon Musk. True. Uh, speaking of speaking of that, just as we're at the end here, oh, his rebranding of Twitter to X is just so bad. It's, it's such a Facebook is now meta move, and both of those well, were... Well, the thing is, is that Facebook, the company, got renamed to Meta, whereas the platform is still Facebook, whereas now Twitter, Twitter is now X, even though it's just like there are some places that still refer to it as Twitter. It's a very stupid change, like face the company Facebook becoming Meta, I think, is like, I don't know, that's kind of silly, but whatever. I get it. It, This is worse. I get it. The company does more than just Facebook, the platform. Yeah. Like, it's a bit silly because people are just going to say Facebook owns Instagram anyway. Yeah. But it that's whatever. Rebranding Twitter as X is a stupid move. Yeah, it's just like the logo, like, because now the logo is completely different. Yeah. It's just like the logo was, like, so recognizable. Yeah, and now you're going to have to just hope that people will remember. (laughs) Yeah. And um, and also the logo is just a Unicode character. Yep. And they briefly made it bold. And the Elon Musk is like, I don't like it bold. Change it back. And it's just <laughs> like, this is why you have meetings about this shit. You don't just push every random change. Yep. It's not very smart. Yeah. I, I don't think Elon Musk's understand what a develop understands what a development environment is in terms of software development. So in software development, you have like a development environment, which is where you you make changes you have a testing environment where it's just like you actually test to make sure that there's no bugs find the bugs and report them back to the development team and then there's production which is or prod for short which is what people actually interact with like the version that actually goes out and i don't think elon musk understands that you don't just push everything to prod yeah no i don't think so i don't think he understands like a lot of tech stuff I don't think he understands much, yeah. uh, given the fact that he didn't pay rent for Twitter headquarters. Yeah, and oh, didn't oh. pay, uh, didn't pay so that Ron DeSantis could have like an actual fucking campaign thing on Twitter. Oh, I don't know if you saw, but with the rebrand of Twitter to X, they were changing the sign outside of Twitter headquarters, <laughs> and so they were taking down all like the the word that like the letters that spelled out Twitter. They were just gonna put up an X. They did not get permission. Like, they did not get permits to do this, and they didn't get, like, permission from the the landlord who owns the building either. <laughs> so, the landlord called the cops. 
Uh, I, I texted God. this to you. It's just like the, the like rare moment of landlords and cops working together for something good. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it was funny because the, like, the people taking down the sign, uh, they had taken down everything except for the ER. So for a little while, the building just said er. Er. <laughs> Which is a great like summation of the situation. Yeah, just er. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, you... Uh, that's gonna be it for this episode. Uh, I already did, like, the social media stuff and where you can find us. Yep. Anyway, that's gonna wrap it up. Um, <laughs> I feel like I should read the, the outro again, because now it's just awkward. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> goodbye, everyone. Bye!